And welcome to another edition of Papa's Basement. I'm your host, John Papa Giorgio, and I'm joined today by a uh, former host, longtime, I don't know what the hell the title would be. You were on the show a lot back in the day, and you were recurring never... guest. Recurring guest. Howard, what's up, man? Uh, yeah, it's, it's good to be back on the show. I, I, I do think, in fairness, though, to the audience, uh, I think we pointed this out like a year ago. I think I, I was on maybe a year ago, but basically since like start a pandemic, you and I talk at least an hour a week. All the time. All yeah. The time. Like I think you are my male friend that I talk with the most. I would say probably bar none, maybe you and Michael Johnson. Right. Yeah. But I, I definitely feel you get the nod because I get these calls from you, like these 10 to 15 minute windows when you're going to pick up the kid and, uh, I, I think you need to have like an adult conversation, by which I mean phone sex, of course, <laughs> before you deal, you know, like you swim back in the waters of like a five or six year old, however the hell old your kid is, hopping in your, your vehicle and doing fuck knows what. Yeah, no, it's a weird per like preview of one another's like lives. It's almost like a, like an episode of what if. You know, mm-hmm. just you get to see like, what if I were a parent? Oh, uh, I'm gonna stick to improv versus me being like, what's it like being single? It's like, ah, uh, better when you don't live with your mom. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't know if conversations with me were needed for that, but they are <laughs> gloriously <laughs> illustrative of it. I'm trying to summarize for everybody how conversations over three years can be discussed in 14 seconds. So yeah, that's it. So <laughs> much of the like, I'll I'll summarize six years of my efforts right now doing improv in the D.C. area, much less quite possibly anywhere. Not really worth much. Not. It's not worth much. It's like such a joke in even the way that it's represented in L.A. You know, it's just yeah. like. The depictions of like who who does this? Yeah, yeah. No, I'll, I'll hop back for a second. So I guess the today we haven't recorded in a month. I think the last time I recorded, I believe it was with Eva, and I was probably bitching about getting dumped for the second time by the person I'd been seeing on and off. Um, we've continued to somewhat do things since, but yeah. Um, I, and in the ensuing weeks, Eva has continued to have unprotected sex with her husband, and what you can conclude may have come of that came of that, (laughs) and uh, Molly has, Molly Heckerling was writing for a long time a screenplay, I guess I won't get into the details of that, although I think I've mentioned it on air before, but I don't want to get in touch, and she finished her screenplay as of like a couple days ago. So we'll probably get some Molly back in the mix in the near future. But in the meantime, while one friend, you know, continues their lineage and God damn it, are they coming for my car already? No, they're not. Okay. Sorry. Uh, This is the, the low that the Papa's basement has sunk to. I am currently recording out front of a Virginia tire and auto in the 04 Prius that I drive waiting for an oil change. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I am sitting in the front seat and I can't even fart because I don't want to be a bastard that farts up the car for whatever oil tech eventually climbs in here to service this vehicle. 
that like needs an oil change every six weeks because lately I'm driving like 3,000 miles a goddamn month. Jeez. Yeah. So circling back to everything, I I just had kind of a, a moment with the improv I was doing the other day, you know, as after some EMDR therapy, which is some really heavy shit, you know, it's the thing where you flick your eyes back and forth like one of those cat clocks on the wall. Yeah. Um, and you do that while you talk about life shit. And I, I somehow got back to talking about my radio days and how back then, as much as getting into radio mostly sucked, it did. I got in at like 08 during the financial crisis. Like ironically, my very first radio job was at a business talk station that just carried feeds from other stations and was so broke that we would literally just play the hold feed of these radio stations through the phone line. And that was air quotes syndicating the program. And that should have been a sign right then and there to get the fuck out of radio. But I stuck in radio for a couple of years despite dealing with pieces of shit that bullied me like Chad Fuchs and shit. Um, Who got canceled? Who got canceled for saying racist shit on his private podcast. So, you know, (laughs) guy guy bullied other people, including me. And it's weird getting bullied really for the first time as an adult. You're like, what the fuck is this? Um, Yeah. Um, But at least I felt like there was something that could happen career-wise when I did that. And when I first got into improv six years ago at this point and I was just doing all these initial classes and you still had these improv power structures in place in New York and LA you're like okay you know again I get to hedge my bets by staying in the Nova area maintaining my lock business and eventually gaining a lot of skill so I can take my talents if you will to New York or LA or Chicago and those improv theaters eventually collapsed with COVID. Again, you can see a recurring theme of economic disasters fucking my life in the arts. And now that there's nothing really that improv does provide a clear path forward to, although I do like the training for it, I don't know, Monday night I was in an improv practice and it was a bunch of 30-somethings and they were all, we we're all pretending to be bumblebees or some shit. Like, <laughs> and like, I don't like there, there are these things in improv called group games and there are these silly little throwaways. And the goal is pretty much to do as much group mind as possible. And there was another one where people were pretending they were on a merry-go-round and like skipping around. And I just can't really get into that because at a certain point, I don't know if it was the therapy I was still processing from earlier in the day. I don't know if it was just, like, me getting in shape and dating and having luck in that realm, too. But you look around, you see a bunch of 30-somethings pretending they're bumblebees for zero money. And it's a what-the-fuck-is-going-on-here moment of the highest caliber, I might say. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. It's um, 
<laughs> you like, have to elaborate more, but this totally, like, I, because I've heard that people having this moment in general, I think a lot of the, like, people who have invested in improv that I've heard speak about this, mm-hmm. um, they have this, like, exhausted, jaded view of it that I just, I finally realized, like, I guess you're in a scene at improv one day for all folks <laughs> who are in your situation. It's like, it jumps the shark. Or I guess the yeah. new phrase is uh, nuke the fridge, right? From Indiana Jones's fourth chapter. Oh, um, God. Is that, I did not know that was an expression. You remember Jump the Shark is from Happy Days, right? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. A Fonzie literally on his motorcycle. Like, so it's evil, just. Evil over some shark. I still think Jump the Shark is better than nuke the fridge. Because I think, yeah, like nuke the fridge is fair. It's like Indiana Jones officially is shitty. Uh, yeah. However, you had real time. I've told that story like, on air, right? What? Super fast as we do another ADD cast. Um, <laughs> I, I watched that movie live in the theater. And, you know, my mom was, I guess, what you'd say, second generation. My dad was first generation. So what I affectionately call white people shit wasn't very sacred in my house. So we didn't fucking care about Indiana Jones. I think I saw Temple of Doom twice at my grandma's on HBO. I don't think I'd seen Last Crusade. I maybe still haven't seen Last Crusade. I think I saw the first one, Raiders, once. But, like, there was this row of pudgy Caucasian nerds in front of me. And, like, they were kind of chuckling at the fridge scene. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is there a scene where a bunch of, like, gibbons or some crap taken indie as their own or he's like riding on monkey back through the trees at some point dude i don't remember this wait which okay. one is this this is the fourth this shitty one the crystal skull i haven't even watched it because i heard about the the nuked fridge i'm just like no yeah yeah so there's that where like you know he's in he shields himself i believe from legit an atomic explosion right by getting into a fridge and flying through the air like a mile Bridge smashes and he gets out of it, you know, like Steve McQueen after a fucking chase scene. Right. <laughs> Instead of like the door creaking open and just a fucking pink slurry flowing out of it, you know? Yeah. And and then the words the end. But I believe there's a scene he's either getting towed by monkeys or he's riding monkeys. And these nerds just one of them in a very like nerdy voice goes oh bullshit fucking i doubled over laughing like just his voice and the way that this stupid movie pained him like on an existential level i was like this is this is one of my great movie viewing experiences and i've had two and so you were watching other people pretend like they were flying around like bumblebees on monday and you were like bullshit yeah that was yeah i was that's just sweet white nerd yeah <laughs> i was just kind of you, know, you had a moment where you're like huh i wonder how many times richard pryor pretended to be a you're like okay with the qualifier no free base cocaine in the equation and i'm, I'm gonna go with the answer was zero you know, and look, I'm not, I'm not trying to impugn where I do my shit, Washington Improv Theater, because I think it does something very beautiful for the communities it tries to serve, you know, 
like uh it's very playful uh safe whatever and i'm not i'm not trying to run that shit down that's great for the people that want that and need that but it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks that in the entirety of my stay there I haven't met one person that was like, oh, you know what I'd like to do, like, just full time and what I live and breathe, fucking, like, comedy. The the kind which you enjoy, John. Like, it's... Even I, if you met someone like that, I just don't think, like, the improv scene can secure that. Because I think fundamentally my understanding of improv is, like... Listen, everyone, this is a safe space. There are no wrong answers. And it's like, yeah, there's some shit that's funny, and then there's shit that ain't. And I have, I have strong feelings on both these things. So yeah. it's real hard to just be like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, that person's not funny, but I understand they had a severe trauma a few years ago. I'm just going to laugh, right? Yeah, like that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's, I had to sit back. And, and look, again, this sounds like I'm, I'm not trying to be a dick. Like, the the DC art scene is great because I defy you to be in an improv class and many other cities and like half the people in the room with you probably make six figures. You know, like, you think that's great? I think it's fascinating. Like, no, I I hate it here for that reason. Okay, I do too. I was trying to be nice and get some no. fucking money. Okay, no, like do not mislead people about DC. This is one of yeah. the most racially diverse places, but intellectually everybody went to college and wishes they did something else other than push papers for like something government related yeah and all right i am one of those people it makes me sad yeah and i i genuinely on a deep level i cannot relate to these people given how my life has shaken out and it's like what did you do today don uh, did i say i was done what did you do today john it's like i drilled a safe i opened a lock i installed keys i looked at the protective gloves that i put on during these jobs a habit i started in pandemic and noticed the amount of sheer metal dust and filth on them you know had an existential crisis wondering about through the years how much of this shit along with probably literal gallons of WD-40 has seeped into me. Notice the tinnitus that's blasting in my ears from years of metalwork. You know, like, it's... Yeah. Uh, and it's like, what did you do today? Get a paper cut? I mean, <laughs> it's... It just... It's so weird. Like, and it was, it was a divide that was really hammered home at the beginning of the pandemic where people were like, oh, God, I'm getting so fucking bored working from home. And I'm like, oh, I actually went out and encountered people and went in their home masking up and then coming home and taking a silkwood fucking shower, you know, praying that I didn't drag this shit home to my immunocompromised kin. Um, yeah, and it's just, I don't, it's not that these people aren't, we've all learned what we've been taught pretty well at this point. But it's just like, it's like we're learning how to play scales and chopsticks flawlessly. And then when it comes time to like compose a piece from the heart, we all just stare at each other with our fucking junk in our hand, you know, like 
because yeah. that's not encouraged. There's nothing. It's encouraged to not like hurt each other, which is a good, beautiful thing. Again, and I'm not saying that as like a qualifier. So, man, like, my frustration is I was hoping you would. Again, like the pro- this is a DC problem. Uh, I was hoping you'd be able to like find people that you could like partition off, do some sketch writing with. Nah. And that's harder yeah. in DC, but I think even if you're in a city where it's like, hey, I jumped on the improv scene to meet other people who do sketch, the goal is once you start doing sketch, is to stop doing improv with people that are less funny. That it's just like, I don't have to tolerate stuff that isn't funny anymore. I found my people who are on my level of humor, and we just do funny shit now. We don't deal yeah. with like, oh, hey. Good job, Buster. That was really wonderful that you're working through some of the feelings of your childhood. Mm-hmm. And working through it in a sterile way. Like, I... The thing that kind of... Was I realized I was taking in nothing comedically that brought me joy for a while. Like, we... This show was started because I grew up listening to Don and Mike and Howard Stern. And at some point... I stopped being a consumer of that, and I was like, I want to do that. And those those things were comorbid for a while, up until Opie and Anthony got run off air because it turned out Anthony wasn't like, ha-ha, racist. He was just racist. <laughs> <laughs> he was just a piece of shit. <laughs> um, and as much as I, like, wink, wink, ha-ha, a hard R for all yucks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> When you actually aim a hard R in malice at someone who's black, I, I find that fucking disgusting. And not <laughs> It's just uh, kind of shocking. It's like, really? You exist still? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think people miss that when they're, they're like, oh, all racist stuff is disgusting. And I'm like, no, if it's not used for malice, I still find it hilarious. Like, <laughs> yeah. used for malice, I find it repugnant. You know, like, like an Asian... <laughs> If an Asian cuts you off and you, you know, roll down your window and drop a hockey rink on him, that's, uh, that's not cool. <laughs> not at all. You're being shit. Um, you know, a bit on that where you're talking about arguing with white people and he gets a, a hard R dropped on him. And he's like, well, shit, you don't have to dehumanize me like that. That's how I feel about it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Call him everything in the book, but not that. But, like, again, um things that like I've really just had to try to stamp out the things that I and what brings me joy and uh like I've been watching the show the last couple days did you ever watch so I never saw it on SNL but the film MacGruber starring Will Forte I think I have never seen it but I am aware of it okay it is like over the top and stupid and vulgar, and I laugh harder every time I see it. Weird. Like, there's nothing that is like offensive towards a group, or you know what I mean. Like, um, and they made a series based on it apparently on Peacock. That uh, Peacock is just like the opposite of HBO, whereas HBO releases a show. And it becomes like a cultural event. Like we've gone just recently from White Lotus season two to The Last of Us. You know what I mean? Like yeah. HBO at all times has one show that is in the top three most talked about series currently in America. 
That's their aim. Yeah. Yeah. Peacock is like a school counselor hiding child pornography when it comes to releasing their shit. Like they're, they're almost for dear life trying to make sure you don't find it. I don't know how the fuck, like I have Peacock basically for Sunday night football. And after an immense amount of going through the proverbial ceiling tiles of Peacock, I found this stash of MacGruber episodes. I don't know when this show came out. Could have been 2018, could have been last week. They don't promote it. They don't discuss it. It is funny, Howard. And I've just laughed in a way that I realize I haven't laughed at anything in a long time. Certainly nothing I have seen on a stage. You know? I vaguely remember this when it came out. Okay. Yeah, one season, 2021. Okay, huh. so it's not super old. See, I thought I was being a little hyperbolic when I said 2018. I figured it came out in the last, like, two months. But the fact it's over a year old. And I had to learn December about it 2021, so it's been out about 13 months. That is so fucking sad. You know what's real fucking sad? I'm like, I open the wiki, and there's only a plot description for the pilot episode. Like, mm-hmm. there's not enough fans who have seen it and loved it to, like, fill out the rest of the the plot episode plot descriptions. It is a joy. And it's the kind of thing that I think if I showed to the majority of my improv peers, they would not find funny, they would find disgusting. I don't fucking know. Because what, it's sexist? Or what is it? There's... <laughs> Just fart jokes? Like, what is it? There's scatological humor. Um, oh. There's one, there's one scene where he hops on top of a dude and smashes his head with a rock, and instead of that being a screen act we see the head kind of explode like a cantaloupe <laughs> and he continues to beat the puddle for like another 20 seconds <laughs> uh, so it's stupid humor okay dumb as shit there's a scene where um i'm trying to remember the Kristen. oh fuck what's the name of the female lead you're looking at it now Oh, yeah. Uh, Wig. Kristen Wig. Kristen Wig Wig is now married to Lawrence Fishburne. That's amazing. uh, And she, we see them like, you know, doing like 20 or 30 seconds of like comedically over the top sex stuff. And then like we just hear a slow clap from the corner. And it turns out like, you know, they're like, what the fuck? It turns out McGruber was watching them the whole time. All right, you have to stop describing this because I almost feel like, one, I need to watch it, but two, not in front of my kid. Yeah, yeah. oh, very much so, not in front of the kid. And I, I can think of the collective, like, teeth suck that countless scenes would be getting from the people I do improv with. And I'm just like, I'm so fucking sick and tired being made to feel the shit that amuses me is like inherently crappy and wrong and evil and and just like I'm sick of comedy not being fun to me and and I'm not saying that fun is beating up on protected classes here I just 
I'm sick of the goal of the comedy I've been enmeshed in. Like, absolutely, first and foremost, make sure, like, no lines are crossed versus, like, hey, be fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> Get a fucking laugh. Like, that scene where a guy got his head smashed in, yeah, it would have been offensive to someone who had all on the head of a loved one. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we can, we can try to cover for every fucking angle. You know what? We can. But... I'm I'm tired of it, and, and now that I'm in this Herald program until like July, I think, and it's a weekly practice and a bi-weekly show, it just feels like when I got my ass sent to the magnet school, Thomas Jefferson, and I was so quickly was like, oh no, this can suck my dick. I literally did it for the same reasons too. I wanted to test in so that I could show to the people that took it more seriously than me and wanted it more than me, that I can get in here and you can't. That's why I, I went to the magnet school. <laughs> Howard. I know. Two, that it wounds was, me. Wounds me. It was two fucking reasons. One, I wanted to shove it in the face of people that my mom impressed upon me weren't as smart as me and were just hardest, harder workers. And look where that got them. They're fucking doctors and lawyers, and I'm a locksmith. <laughs> and uh, oh, I'm sure they're happy. Let me let me tell you from this side of uh, oh yeah, like I know so many lawyers who uh, are not alcoholics. Yeah, no, just kidding. It's like majority. Like the only ones I know who aren't alcoholics are Mormon, right? Like that's kind of. I would say upwards of eighty percent of the lawyers I know fucking sauce it hard the culture yeah i can tell you right now i did tj because i was paid with well i guess technically 60 pieces of silver because i think there were two different legs to it or something like that and i think i think there was one big test and i remember i got paid by my mom and dad for doing it with a copy of metallica's live box set live shit binge and purge which is still under my childhood bed where I sleep to this day. And then I think for actually, they gave me a copy of Super Street Fighter 2 for the Super Nintendo. <laughs> um, that's why I went to TJ. Just to say I could and to get some video games and a CD. I didn't get any of that for testing into Herald. Just the satisfaction of rubbing in the face of people that couldn't get in. And you know what? Like the people that could didn't get in, I just felt bad for them. There was no joy in it. There was no one that I disliked that didn't get in. The people that didn't get in, I just genuinely felt bad for. Yeah, you actually had to come back to our high school and be friends with us again. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I came back and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll have an equivalent of that in improv. But honestly, after seeing Molly not do this shit with her nights and crank out a fucking screw and molly who's like sweet as fuck encouraging me to write and to do stand-up and i think good for her yeah and kind of just like look at my improv time and be like okay as long as it it brings you joy buddy you know but here's my thing so i don't know because you said molly has kids right she's got two she's got a seven-year-old and a two-year-old 
All right, so with the seven-year-old, she might have dealt with this. Yeah, I don't know if she has, but I know what I'm dealing with with, like, a five-year-old. And this is how, like, one of the reasons we talked so much in the last few years in pandemic is, like, in the last three years, thanks to you, I'm able to be like, hey, does my kid have ADD? Mm-hmm. And I've had to yeah. learn about it and talk to you, and it's still undecided. You know, like, we're, we're, we actually had a screening last week. It's not going to, like, be the final answer, but they're going to tell us if we need more screening. Still, nice. like, haven't got the result back. They give it to all the kids that are preschool, so it's not like she got pulled aside for it. It's just like last year they said, hey, uh, interestingly, um, your kid, we asked her if she had any siblings, and then she like just gave this exposition on while she didn't have siblings, there was like a long list of other people she knew who were varying degrees of relation to her, some of whom weren't even blood relatives. So mm-hmm. they were like, you need to watch for this. Yeah. So we'll see. Anyway, I've learned a lot about the condition you suffer, and... It is good Molly is encouraging you to look into, like, script writing and stand-up. But going back to, like, what you started with of, like, when you first got into comedy, what drew you to radio is similar to what drew you also to, like, improv. And it's also going back to, like, who you were heading into high school. Because I'm the person who shows up on your show who's like, I remember John Papa Giorgio before he drank Robitussin. Oh, God. I don't. Yeah, see, Might like, with the <laughs> I am that person who could be like, John, you've always been that person since we were like, I met you in fifth grade, who was like, I'm going to show up and be smart as shit and funny, and it's going to be easy. And I used to be real fucking jealous of you until I realized when it came to like, all right, now your ass needs to sit down and like, do this in a focused, concentrated way every day for the next 30 days. Oh, God. For you, it's like, what the fuck is it? Who, do people do that? Oh, God. Dude, I, I've i told the story a million times. When I got my first big boy desk job at 25, I cried all day every day at my desk for a week because I comprehended this is what my life would be. Like two nights ago, I was hanging with someone, and she was like, hey, let's write. Like, just creatively write. I'm going to do my thing. You can work on stand-up or whatever, um, you know, this thing that I just 30 seconds ago said I wanted to do. I opened that laptop. I would have rather baked rolling dough with the pin held in my rectum than actually write, you know? Yeah. Like, it was just then and there I couldn't do it. And it's not that I don't do these things. Like, I, my brain, when it comes to writing, has been shot really since pandemic. Like, I have slowly, slowly gotten back to getting on top of my invoicing, by which I mean, like, like I haven't creatively written in two plus years, basically. But at least my invoicing, I'm back to that, really, because customers have screamed at me. And I probably have, like, without exaggeration at this point, I don't know, 20 grand unbilled, something like that. Jeez. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I've learned the concept of the ADD tax. And just how badly that applies to someone like me, because I don't stay on top of invoicing. I don't make sure that the invoices that go out get paid, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I think I tried to skate on that for a long time by being at home and being like, oh, my cost of living is pennies. And I make nickels. So now that I 
like very much want to get out of the house. I'm, I'm doing my damnedest to make sure it's a place I could write in peace because circling back to the ADD, when other people are like, I like to write at a coffee shop. I'm like, are, are you fucking kidding me? Where other people are like making noise and you have things to stare at and shit. What the hell's wrong with you? I don't so like yeah I just you, your success in writing has tended to be very short form right like I think you were helping out on um I'm super good at articles I'm super good at sketches yes I would say uh I can edit weirdly enough with the best of them like if someone gives me a product and they're like make this funnier I'm super good at that um so yeah you know yeah to, like yeah. I haven't read your sketches I've read your um articles um, yeah yeah, what what have you been doing for sketches though? Was that for like video production or is that more for like stage performance? No, that was all video production. It was stuff that I did at the beginning of pandemic. And then I wanna say like fall of twenty twenty when football season came around, I was just like, All right guys, like I'm I'm gassed, that's it. I mean that's why I was trying to encourage you to do like Yeah, you really ought to get into some more sketch writing. It just sucks because like yeah, yeah, you're in D.C., and there's not, like, a lot of people that you would really want to cast in this stuff. Nah. I think that's the hardest part is, like, you've been doing improv for this whole time, and it's just a bunch of people who are like, I don't know about this poop joke. Yeah, man. No, I know this episode's, like, a kind of a bitch fest. I don't care. Like, my entire life's a bitch fest recently. You know, you fucking get dicked around by someone. I don't care if you're starting to get other shit elsewhere again. It's still an annoying experience. Finding a place. Like, I've finally gotten over all my psychological shit when it comes to finding a place. And I'm looking for a place. A giant pain in the ass, Howard. My God, what a pain in the ass it is to find. Dude, housing's a bitch nationally. Like, Jesus. We don't even live in, like, one of the worst places for homelessness. Like, it ain't great, but... Um... No, it's just a pain in the ass. Like, I'm working all the fucking time. My nights are either eaten, you know, with dates or the gym or both. Or improv, and like, God. Oh, dating! Me. How exhausting sounded. Yeah, I know. Like, Everyone's going there. Oh, poor John. Poor John. Poor John. He's <laughs> so tired after he gets laid. <laughs> hey, the Japanese call it the warrior's rest. You know, <laughs> that's the beautiful origami term for post nut clarity. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's uh. I don't know, but, like, where am I going to fit driving back down the Widowmaker that is Route 66 to look at properties close to the city? I mean, I hope I get more time, because also, it's fucking football playoffs, man. This is, like, the, this is the one time this year that I'm actually focusing on goddamn football again. (laughs) Even then, I was missing games for improv. Oh, yeah. I mean, we shouldn't talk too much about football. We got negative feedback on, like, why are you doing this on Papa's Days, man? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of our... Like, for those who hate football, you should know that there is a growing consensus that the quality of play on the field is down. It's very much down. And I don't want to get into details of why it's down, but the one thing people can agree on is, if not the causes, at least, it's just, like, well, it's very it. missable right now. It's very, like, I can do yeah. other stuff on Saturday or Sunday. I kind of don't give a shit. Like, I took my kid to, like, tap class, like, several times during playoffs. And I'm just like, are these games really compelling? And I'll, like, watch the score on my phone and be like, this fucking sucks. I don't want to watch yeah, this. There, there's too many games that you flip on, and it's either the score's already a fucking bloodbath or 
it's just going in a direction where you're like, this will be a bloodbath. You know, it's like a fucking piano above Wiley e. Coyote with one strand of rope holding it up. You're like, I don't know, fucking. But then there's also that. like, oh, look, both these teams are trying to like see who's uh, more interested in losing it on their own. Like, fuck yeah. the other team. Like, hold my beer. I'll throw an interception. Fuck you. Yeah. But let's, yeah, the, the two huge stories out of football this year are like just horrible injury shit you had Tua like curling his fingers living statue on the field and then Damar Hamill or whatever his name was getting dropped and almost dying oh my gosh like that's such an awful story too because I was yeah I'm trying to sign my kid up for softball and my wife was like you know softball is one of those sports where like that happens a bunch right and by a bunch, yeah. it's just it's one of the few plays that because it's very rare that it happens, but like it it's a one of the sports where a kid in the sternum and fucks up their heart. Yeah, like it's one of the sports. It's football and it's like baseball, softball are the two places you see it. Yeah. So I was like, oh well, thanks, thanks for like making me second guess myself. Crap. Well, you should be a student of Batman the animated series where they show Kyodai Ken practicing the touch of death on a dummy and then oh. <laughs> Bruce Wayne susses out what part of his body he needs to pad. So basically tape a pillow to your kid's chest so she can look like <laughs> fucking Quattro from Total Recall. And uh, yeah, you're good. Hey, as long as she ain't playing catcher. There you go. Uh, well, shit, man. Shall we wrap this one up anything else you wanted to say or uh just i think the open-ended question man of like are you actually interested in writing anything right now is there something that jumps out at you because i want to hear that before i tell you what i think you should work on honest i have always 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 said that just writing my experiences as a locksmith and things based in that world would be so fucking unique. There, there's nothing like that in the marketplace. When was their last anything like that in the marketplace? Let me ask you this though: like, if are you because the hardest part is the transition from like you've had a hard day at work to mm-hmm. writing. Do you think you could go from like I just had a shit day driving around the city, sitting in traffic, to like let me reflect on one of the weirdest fucking things I did several years ago? I think so. I mean, as because that would be great. I think that's the hard pivot, man. Because like, I think when you get home, you're tired. It's like, are you? What's gonna motivate you to pick up the pen and like write it down, dude? As it is, I'm driving in several nights a week, an hour with traffic, basically to hunt for parking to play a fucking bumblebee. Yeah. So no, I mean, it's just getting back to the the bumblebee shit, though. It's it. It really is like, like the improvised art of comedy is something you enjoy. And I think always the hardest part for you. And this is why, like, we look at why do you like, why do you do Papa's Basement still? Like, what, 15 years later? It's like, we don't script anything. You love this shit. Yeah. Well, I do. I was always obsessed with the notion that this stuff was made up on the spot. And to me, inherently, even as a child, that's what I considered true humor. I respected the shit out of stand-ups, but I was like, yeah, but they write it. Not realizing that Jackie Martling was writing shit and passing it to Howard Stern. Lesson learned. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
you know, but uh, that I, I feel we've entered a point of some real diminishing returns when it comes to, as my mentor, Sean Westfall would say, the art of making shit up. And I got to think that like, if I truly want this to be more than the thing I do at the end of my lock drilling day, it's, uh, you know, it ain't going to be playing a fucking bumblebee. No, no. But I just, I really got to emphasize this to you, man. Like, I think the goal is to make comedy. Secondary is figuring out how to make money from it. Yeah. So I think that's really where you are in life. Because we talked about it. It's like, why haven't you been to New York? I think one of the real reasons is, like, you could go and be a locksmith up there and, like, be part of the community up there. You actually have, like, one of the most perfect jobs to I don't like the word amateur comic because it implies like only that you're not making money from it, but yeah, really, I just, I think you can be a comic who doesn't need to make money from it. Like we'll come up with a way later, but you've really been doing this for so long. It's just do what you do to be funny and we're going to figure yeah. out how to actually like script shit eventually. Yeah. I got some plans and... that uh, you probably don't remember because you're ADD, but I've actually told you at least one other idea to help you with uh, refining your writing for stand-up. Yeah, I don't I'll, I'll tell you off air. Okay. But there, there are things that... I've told you this before. It's just hilarious because you don't remember. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't. Yep, yep. So you're welcome. Yeah. If people yeah. want to know why is it we talk like an hour a week, a lot of it is just like, dude, is this really how ADD works? Yeah, it's like basically talking to um, the old broad when they've fast-forwarded in the notebook, and he just has to remind her that they've met before and shit like that. Speaking of old broads, Maria just pulled up in my chariot. All right. I'm going to hop out of this Prius, Howard, but uh, I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, I'll, I'll be back again, I'm sure, sooner than later. Let's so. do it. All right, thanks. Good show. We'll talk. All right, my friend. Later, later. Bye.